Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 13, Episode 1. This is Writing Excuses, hero, protagonist, main character. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And I don't know which one I am. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm the hero. I'm the protagonist. So, I um, doubt I'm going to undergo the most change during this episode. (laughs) Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) Welcome to season 13 of Writing Excuses. This is our first episode. We're going to be talking about character all season long. Yay. I wanted to start with kind of a defining episode where we talk about the differences between a hero, a protagonist, and a main character. Are there differences? If so, what are some of the distinctions in your mind? Uh, there are differences, although they can overlap. It's one of those Venn diagram thingies. Uh, one of the prime examples that people often offer as a, a way to distinguish them is the great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character, who is the narrator, is not the protagonist. He's not the one taking the action. He's not the hero of the story. He's not the one who's saving the day. He is relating the events of the story. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, that happens a lot. For instance, Howard often uses a narrator that uh, is different. Like is, is yeah, yeah, my narrator isn't even... He isn't even one of those three. Yeah. yeah. What I will do very often is have the protagonist, the person who's undergoing the most change, mm-hmm. is someone who is different from the person who takes the heroic action, which as often as not is Sergeant Schlock. And uh, I think it was book 16 where I actually decided that for the last arc of the book, Schlock was going to have both. He was going to be the protagonist and he was going to take heroic action. And as I wrote it, I realized, oh, this does feel different. He's, because when you, when you pair up heroic action with character change, you get, uh, and we've talked about this with the Hollywood formula before, um, you want to have these emotional beats happening as closely as possible. And when the emotional resolution, the character arc resolution for the protagonist is absolutely synchronized with the heroic action of the hero, um, that's powerful. And it's one of the reasons why a lot of stories, hero, main tag- hero protagonist, main character, are all the same person. Although so I'm going to use main antagonist. <laughs> um, give us a quick definition then of main character. For me, main character is the person through whose eyes we are seeing the story. Okay. And protagonist... Quick definition. Protagonist is the character who is taking the action to move the story forward. And hero. The person who gets to do all the cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and I think it's p- quite possible to have a story that does not have a hero. Yeah. Um, and uh, Grimdark yeah. is a really good example. There are a lot of protagonists in Grimdark. 
We'll but, do an entire episode <laughs> on antiheroes yep. and both the literary de- definition and the modern definition and things like that. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's There are lots of stories without heroes. Are there stories without protagonists? Yes, but most of them don't make it out of the slush pile. Mm. <laughs> there Will Come Soft Rains by Ray Bradbury. There yeah, you go. No, the classic answer mm-hmm. to every weird non-standard structure. Yeah. Yeah, and also actually, uh, and there's not even a main character in that one either. Yeah. Um, uh, they're made say, of meat. Also, there's no protagonist in that. Mm-hmm. In a lot of classic, which again, we'll have a whole episode on this, but a lot of classic anti-hero fiction like Madame Bovary, um, I would argue there isn't a protagonist or a hero. There's just a main character. And that was like the whole movement was built around, let's not have anyone protag or do anything <laughs> heroic, but still have a story about them. So yeah. Um, uh, what makes a character then sympathetic versus likable? Are those synonyms to you or are they different? And if so, how? So this is something that I think we, we cover in a previous episode where we, we talk about uh, your slider theory. Yes. Um, so I'm going to throw that one back at you, Brandon. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I would say that, yes, they can be different. Uh, I feel like, at least for me, this is my own weird definition, right? Sympathy is built out of wanting to be in the person's shoes or naturally feeling you're in their shoes. Those kind of two polar opposites in some ways. So sympathy is either, oh, I've, I've felt like that all the time. Um, or this sort of, oh, I kind of want to be there. It's this, this, this emotion. It's either, it's, it's the, the sort of, I want to be Superman. I can see myself being this person and being awesome, or I naturally see myself in that person's shoes. And so sympathy is that sort of relatability, um, which does, doesn't have to be likable. You often, a lot of horror is built around making you feel sympathy for something that is horrifying where you say, oh, I could see myself being this, you know, terrible murderer, or I can see this fear that this character is having. I felt that before myself. Uh, I don't like that, but at the same time, I see myself in those shoes. Likeability, then, for me, for a character, is more related to protagging, perhaps. Maybe sympathy is more related to main charactering, and likeability is often they are taking active steps to do heroic or protagonistic sort of things. And I think that actually something that you just said uh, triggered it for me that, that really when we're talking about a hero, a hero is not just likable or sympathetic, they are admirable. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one of the, I think, things that will define a, a hero versus someone who is a protagonist or a main character or an anti-hero. That a hero is someone who is admirable, that you look up to, that has some sort of noble feature. Yeah, this this whole discussion brushes up against the the arguments for you know readerly and writerly interpretations of of our work. I lean on the readerly side, which is that I will write characters as sympathetic and as likable as I know how, but I don't know what experiences you are bringing into my book, and it may be that my characters are completely unsympathetic and you hate them because you don't see yourself; you see someone who you don't like. And, and I can't control that. Um, I, I only bring that up because, because as we aim for this with our heroes and our protagonists, it is not universal. Yeah. Okay, I want to drill into this more because Brandon just surprised me by defining likability primarily as a mover, someone who, who advances the story and takes action. And that seems weird to me, but I can't think of any counterexamples. I think... 
it's I maybe hit that too strong. Oft, I, I was going back to the save the cat philosophy from Hollywood. The, mm. the whole idea: you want to make someone likable, you ha- you show them doing something, being nice to somebody, doing something either heroic or just simply kind. Um, and I do think that makes likable. But for me, there's another big way to make someone likable, and that is just to show someone liking them. Yeah. You can have someone who doesn't protag. Sorry, listeners, to use that as a verb. Howard did it once, and I've never been able to stop. Um, you can have a character Shakespeare that made up verbs. <laughs> who doesn't protag. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who just sits there and makes jokes about other people. But people like them, and so they're very likable. Anyway. <laughs> See, I am the protagonist. <laughs> um, you can be the plucky sidekick and still be likable. <laughs> think, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, well, maybe this is getting too far afield from a discussion of main characters, but I'm like all of the examples I'm coming up with of likable characters um, that are the ones popping into my head tend to be villains. And maybe that says something about me. But, for example, <laughs> Captain Barbosa from the right. uh, the Pirates yeah. movies, mm-hmm. he's incredibly likable. You love that guy. You would want to hang out with him if he were not, like, evil. Right. But he's not being nice to people. Right. He's not, you know, performing those he's kind of things. He's not sympathetic. You do, so, yeah. But, and so this is this is where the, the, the term protagonist, I think it's important to remember that it is a, a term of art and and what it is talking about is the way we are presenting the character to the reader because the way that entire the way that that entire film is structured is to present him as an antagonist he is not yeah. presented as a protagonist mm-hmm. so it in a way all of this stuff you know as much as you can move the sliders around a lot of it has to do with the way you are presenting it to the reader and the the structural function that the character is serving yeah because um, one of the things he's doing, and you know, we we will be talking about antagonists later, but defining by uh, you know by opposites, one of the things that he's doing is he is standing in the way. He is serving as mm-hmm. obstacle, and a protagonist serves as the person who gets you over the obstacle. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's also something to be said for the fact that he and other villains tend to be very active. They advance the story. Right, because one they're of the, the ones creating the problems in the first place. That that grabs readers is we we talked about in the sliding scales thing. I talk about is being proactive, going out and getting what you want is very attractive to us um, mm-hmm. as as an audience. Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. 
Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week, which I'm actually going to do. I am going to promote The Emerald Circus by Jane Yolen. This is one of the best short story collections I've ever read. Uh, it's been years since I read something as good as this. If you haven't read any Jane Yolen, uh, Jane has this remarkable ability to take a story you're familiar with, like Oz or King Arthur or a fairy tale, and tell it from the perspective of someone completely unexpected and turn the story on its head in a really cool way. Um, I just love her writing style. I've loved it for years, and this collection is amazing. It contains two Nebula award-winning stories by Jane. Um, for an example, one of the, the stories that's, that's very good, and I believe one of her Nebula Award winners in it, in it is about a little girl who's being told uh, the story of Peter Pan and gets really mad that Wendy has to clean the house while the boys get to go fight pirates. So she travels to Netherland, Neverland to organize um, a revolt among the women uh, to strive for women's rights so the, the girls get to go fight pirates too. Um, it's that sort of story collection. It's just delightful. Um, it's poignant at times. It's hilarious at times. Uh, you will love it. It's out um, as of November 2017. So, you guys, it's been out a few months, and I think you guys should all go read it. Um, let's go ahead and let me throw another question at you. What do you gain by splitting this up rather than by, you know, by thinking of heroes separate? from protagonists, separate from main characters. What advantages as a writer you, do you gain? Because I think most people would just conflate the three. If you asked your average person on the street, what's the difference? They'd be like, I've never thought about that before. What, what do writers get? Why would we do this? I, get, I gain the ability to retain focus for the story on a larger story because we have a sense of you know, when we're looking at the hero, when we're looking at the protagonist, when we're looking at our main character, we have a sense that we're supposed to devote a lot of our reading attention to that, to that character. And I don't have to have, if they're all one person, I don't have to create an extremely unlikely series of coincidences to have them be in all of the different places that action is happening. I also think you gain the ability to say, well... I want to write a character who's, in another story might be the side character, but I want to make them the main character and tell some really interesting stories. This is what, you know, I promoted that short story collection for this one, specifically because that's what she does. Uh, she tells the Oz story from one of the farmhands' viewpoints, things like this, where the main character isn't the one who's been the hero all along, and it makes for really interesting stories. Well, and I think that you can do that within a novel. You know, here's my main character, but for this scene or for this plot line, this other person is going to step up and they're going to be the one who changes or they're going to be the one who does some cool sacrifice. And that can add a lot of depth to the story as a whole. For me, the I think the, the 
thing, the, the reason it is useful to understand what all three things are is that they are, they all um, do different functions within the structure of a story. And you can have one character embodies all three structural roles, or you can, you can split them so that it's three different characters, or you can choose to only use one attribute. Like there's absolutely no reason that you have to have a hero in a story. Um, you can absolutely also tell a story with a protagonist, but without a main character, if you're doing omniscient. But if you understand what the character is doing and what the function is they're serving, it also helps you understand when the story is broken, why it isn't working, because the character is not fulfilling the structural role that you need filled in that story. That's exactly the trouble that I ran into with my book, Extreme Makeover, which doesn't really have a main character, Mm -hmm. really. It has a protagonist, uh, and I couldn't get the plot arc to work, and it wasn't until I realized that exact thing, like you were just saying, and went back and said, oh, I don't have a main character. How can I make this plot work without one? And that fixed all the problems. In my outlining spreadsheet, the one that I built for Schlock Mercenary, book 18, which is called Mandatory Failure, which feels a lot like I'm setting myself up for disaster. Um, but in that uh, in that outlining tool, one of the first things that I established was uh, this is this is my protagonist for this story. It's not a protagonist I've used before, and one of the columns is devoted to that character's arc because now that I know that, I know that there are emotional beats that have to be appearing in the protagonist emotional beat column, and if they're not there. I mean, I can just look at the spreadsheet and say, oh, my outline's broken. There's a piece missing because the person who's supposed to be doing this isn't doing it. And I'm glad that you, you mentioned that because this is, I was thinking about the fact that you can have a protagonist change mid-story. That, and this is, again, one of the places where if you don't understand what the characters, what, what each of these structural roles are doing, you can run into problems where you, you switch points of view and you have a different main character point for this scene. But the other character is still doing the protagging, which will make your main character often feel uh, pointless and, and without any, um, you know, they, they have no real reason to be there except to report. And a lot of times if you recognize that, you're like, oh, okay, so I have to step this character up and give them some actions. What actions can they take? Because I actually need them in this scene to function as a protagonist, whereas in other scenes, they're functioning as a sidekick. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up here, and I actually have a bit of homework for you guys. Um, One of my favorite storytelling methods, and we've given some homework like this before, but I really love it, is when you tell the same story from multiple viewpoints. So I want you to design for yourself a story that has three characters in it. One who is the hero of that scene. One who is the protagonist, one is the main character. Try to make this a short scene. And then I want you to write the same story three times, once through the eyes of the person doing heroic action, once through the eyes of the person being the protagonist who is moving the story along, and one through the eyes of the main character. That's going to be very hard to do because it's naturally you're going to be whoever's eyes were through is going to be the main character for that, that moment. But I want to give you this challenge and see if you can pull it off and make it happen. So this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. 
This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.